Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how Abraham was the father of faith by believing and understanding God and His grace. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from this week's messages. So Abraham was a person who we could now fill this picture out. Say Abraham was faith by faith. This is a man by faith. This is a man of obedience. This is a man of looking. And this is a man who is mindful of things above. But there's one more word that we can pull from this passage here, and that's the word that's found in verse 16, where they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Now here's Tom Cantor as we conclude our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday expository study in the book of Genesis. Now please turn, if you would, to Romans 4, discussion about this. Romans 4, and uh, we'll start at verse 16. Romans 4, 16. The course of Abraham is that it is what Abraham did at this point in his life. Abraham believed what was hard to believe. That's a good description. Keep that in your mind about Abraham. Abraham believed what was hard to believe. That's what he did. And Abraham, in other words, he believed the unbelievable. In other words, this is what the scripture means. He saw uh, things that were unseen, afar off. He understood the understandable. That's for sure not a word. Anyway, but he saw the what God was saying without any sight of the how. He saw the what without seeing the how. How was Abraham able to do this? Because Abraham knew the who behind those three promises to him. He knew it was God who made those promises to him, and he knew it was the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't know him by that name. He knew him by the name of Jehovah, but he knew that he was the great one who had made these three promises. And he didn't know the how part, but he didn't need to know the how part in order to believe the three promises. He didn't need to know how God was going to pull this off. He didn't know how God was going to make these, this happen. He didn't know how God, and it didn't matter to Abraham. The how didn't matter. Now that's what faith is. That's what faith is. Faith is knowing that God will make good on his promises without knowing how God is going to make good on his promises. And the more we don't know how God is going to make good on his promises, but we believe God to make good, that's the more faith that we have. And that's why at the Creation Museum that we don't focus on how God created, but we focus on the who that God created. Because creation is a matter of faith when you get right down to it. That's what it says in Hebrews 11.3. It says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So faith is believing the unbelievable. It's seeing the unseen. It's understanding the ununderstandable. And faith is being so impressed with the who made these promises that it makes knowing the how he's going to do it not in any way a basis for believing if he's going to do it or not. It's believing the who without understanding the how. It's not what the, cor- what the course that the Pharisees took. The Pharisees did not take this course. When they came to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, they said these words in, in Mark 15, 32. Let Christ, the King of the Jews, descend now 
from the cross that we may, and here's the important order of what they said, that we may see and believe. See, that's what they said, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. So their course was we have to see before we believe. That's not the course that Abraham took. The course that Abraham took was what the Lord Jesus Christ said uh, before he raised Lazarus in John eleven forty, when Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, number one, thou should see, number two. See, reversed order, the glory of God. So what was this course Abraham took to believe and see? Well, Abraham did that. He believed and he saw. And God wants us to see and focus on Abraham doing that. Now, that's why God calls Abraham the father of faith. And that's why God calls every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ a child of Abraham or Abraham as their father. Now, please turn, if you would, to Romans 4, discussion about this. Romans 4. And uh, we'll start at verse 16, Romans 4, 16. All of Romans 4 is about Abraham. But Romans 4, 16, it says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise that be assured to all the seed, not only to them which is of the law, but also to them which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, first notice in verse 16 how we have these two words which are together, faith and grace. They're linked. Faith and grace. Grace is the opposite of works. As explained to us in Romans eleven six, it says, If by grace, then no more works. No more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. If by works, it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. So grace and works, they cancel each other. They're, they're like opposites. One cancels out the other. So they don't go together, grace and works. If grace, if it's grace, then it's not works. If it's works, then it's not grace. One excludes the other. That's why our salvation is based on grace and not works, as it says in 2 Timothy 1.9, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So works is linked with seeing the how. Works is linked with seeing the how. For example... God's first promise to Abraham was to make his offspring a great nation. And so, this is what Abraham did not do. But if, if, if Abraham had said, okay, I can see, I already have some children, which he didn't. And that's how I will work on having a lot more children. And Or maybe Abraham would have said, I can see that I can go to this fertility clinic. I don't know if they had fertility clinics. They might have had. And become fertile. 
And so I'll go there, Sarah will go there, and we'll work on having a lot of children. <laughs> and so if he did took this course, then he could say, so then I can see now how through my works, God will make me a great nation. And that way, I will achieve God's promise to make me a great nation. Or if Abraham had said, okay, God's second promise is to bless me with uh, possessions. And so I can see that I already have a respectable amount of possessions, which he didn't. But anyway, when he was leaving her, the Chaldees. And so then you say, I will work on using what I have. I'll do some buying and some selling and some profiteering, and I'll get a large amount of possessions. Or he might have said, I'll go into gambling, <laughs> double or nothing. And, then, and that's how I'll work on getting wealth. See? And then he would say, so then I can see how through my works God is going to bless me with possessions, and in that way I will achieve God's promise to bless me with possessions. Okay? Now, the last one, God's third promise to Abraham, is he, say, he would say, God's third promise to me is to make my name great. And so I can see that I'm already a little famous, which he wasn't. But anyway, he might have said, I'll go into politics, <laughs> make lots of speeches, get a big following, and I'll work on becoming famous. And then I can see how through my works, God will make my name great. And in that way, I will achieve God's promise to make my name great. See? So the pattern, this pattern here of these if situations, which didn't happen, if these if situations, this was not the course that Abraham went down. The course of Abraham was not to see what I have. It was not to work with what I have. It's not to see how through my works that I can achieve God's promises. That's not the course of belief in the ability of God. That's the course in believing in the ability of self. That's not the course of faith because the course of faith does not see how. That course is the course of seeing how before moving. And that's not the course of the grace of God. That's the course of self-achievement. And it's not the course that leads to the glory of God either. That's the course that leads to the glory of flesh. And God said in 1 Corinthians 1.29, No flesh is going to glory in his presence, because it's written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So that's the wrong course to try. That's the wrong course. It's not the right course. It's the wrong course. It's the wrong course to try to get to heaven by. It's the wrong course. Like my rabbi friend called me on his way back from New York. I may have told you this. He said he had attended a Chabad conference. And so I said, oh, what was the conference on, the Chabad conference? And he said, we learned how to be better Jews. I thought, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and so I said, how did you learn how to be a better Jew, you know? <laughs> he gets circumcised twice or what? Anyway, so <laughs> he said, how do you learn to become a better Jew? Okay, so uh, he says, well, we learned how to do more works, is what he's talking about. Works, 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 works. How to get to heaven. Trying to get to heaven by good works. That's believing in the ability of myself to work my way into heaven, to see how to get to heaven through my good works, to rely on self-achievement of gaining heaven through works, through my good works, and in the end, it's to hope that somehow God is going to give out a report card, it says pass on it, and somehow God's going to say, congratulations, based on your good works, I confer to you the status of righteous. See? It's never going to happen. Never going to happen, because that's the course of good works. It will never happen. And that way, is which seems right, is described in Proverbs 14.12, where Solomon said, there is a way 
which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's an absolute catastrophe and disaster, that course of works. God's course to get to heaven is exactly the opposite of that. It's the course of Abraham, where Abraham to believe in the ability of God, not in the ability of self. To understand by faith rather than seeing how I can do this. To rely on the grace of God rather than on self-achievement. That's why it says about our salvation in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved through faith. Now, we notice in Romans 4.16 how the course of Abraham is described as the faith of Abraham. And to follow that same course is to have Abraham be the father of us all. So you see how verse 17 speaks about God's first promise to Abraham when it says, I'll make him a father of many nations. And we see in the last part of that verse how Abraham was just taken up with him who he believed. And what was, what was Abraham really taken up with about God? This ability of God, God who quickens the dead, he speaks about. God who makes the dead alive again. And it reminds us how the Lord Jesus Christ, he stood, as we mentioned a little earlier, at the grave of Lazarus, and he cries from John eleven forty three. he cries with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And it says, and he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, his face bound with a napkin, and Jesus said unto them, loose him, let him go. Reminds us of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, where Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. Those two are always linked together. Died and buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Acts 13, 30. God raised him from the dead. So then, at the end of verse 17, there's this wonderful description of God as the one who calleth those things which be not as though they were. That's what it says. Now think of those three times in Genesis 1 during creation week when God said, let there be. At first, he said, let there be light. There was light, Genesis 1-3. Then he said, let there be a firmament or uh, sky, heaven, in the midst of the waters, divide the waters from the waters. And the third was in Genesis 1.14, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven, divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs of seasons, for days and, and years. Now, imagine if there was just a little bit of time, just a little bit of time between the let there be part and there was part. Just a little bit of time. Just enough time for an angel to hear him say, let there be light, and then the angel says, what's light? <laughs> it's never been there before, you know. Or let there be a firmament, and the angel says, what's a firmament? A Jewish angel, see. And let there be stars, and they said, what's the stars? You know, But he calls those things as if they were that are not. For that's, that's who God is. And so in verse 18, 19, and 20, Abraham, because he has this belief in God who is able to do this, who does this, he's described as standing against. And this tide is described here. as a tide of against hope. He believed in hope. In this tide of he considering, he had to consciously consider not his own body, which is described as dead as far as fertility goes. And uh, he was a hundred years old, it says there in Hebrews. He's a hundred years old. Now, anybody remember how old Abraham was when he left Ur of the Chaldees? It was in our passage we read this morning, verse 3. He was how old? 
275. Abraham was 75 when he was there. And, and it says here in Hebrews that he was 100 years old. So, and remember, when Genesis 12, 1 starts, it, just, it says the Lord had said unto Abraham and gives him these promises. That means that God gave these three promises to Abraham before he left Ur at least 25 years before. That was part of the trial of it all. But in Hebrews 11, at the end of 19, verse 19, we see that in order for Abraham to be strong in faith, he had to also not consider not only his own body, but the deadness of Sarah's womb. In fact, there's so much that he had to stand against of these promises that the normal person would have just staggered. It would have just caused him to lose his balance. And that's a graphic description that God wants us to know, that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. As unlikely as it appeared to him, he stood firm in faith. And what was the proof that he was standing? Or what work did he do, if you want to call it a work? He gave glory to God. He praised God. He spent time thanking God that he was going to make of him a great nation and bless him and make his name great. How was a childless man able to thank God for promising that he would become a great nation? How was a poor man able to thank God for promising he would become rich? How was an unknown man able to thank God that he was going to become famous? The answer is verse 21. Abraham was fully, 100%, persuaded that he, what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Verse 22 says that when God saw all this confidence that Abraham had in God. Then God, in essence, when he saw that, you could picture God pointing his fingers and he said, I impute to you righteousness. And he gives him. He said, that's the righteousness of faith. That's the term, the righteousness of faith. The special righteousness, which is described also in this chapter of Romans 4, 13, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. That's Abraham. That's the picture of Abraham. That's who he was. That's what he was like. He was a man who had tremendous confidence in God and that overshadowed any questions that he might have had about how God was going to do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Abraham. Thank you, Lord, for recording all this about Abraham so that we can look to him and say, we want to be children of Abraham. We, Lord gladly take Abraham as our father. We understand who he was and what he did and why he is the father of faith. And we want him to be, Lord, our example. So help us this morning to see him that way and to follow him in Jesus' name. Amen. Dad, today you talked about creation as the time when God called those things that are not as though they are. We all know that there is a raging controversy over creation versus evolution. You only have to listen to public broadcasting or the Discovery Channel or National Geographic to hear that the world did not come into existence as the Bible claims by creation about 6,000 years ago. Believers are constantly bombarded with, science says the world came about not as the Bible says, but the world and life came about through a big bang and evolution over billions of years. So how is a believer to understand that the world came about, as the Bible says, through creation about 6,000 years ago? Well, you know, that's a very, very relevant question today. 
And as you know, we are a science company, a company, so when we work in science, we pursue science, we do research, we, we apply the research for diagnostics, for therapeutics, for helping patients. So, I mean, we're involved in science, and yet, and yet uh, as you know, our company has a, a position that, uh, that the Bible is true. That's not to say that everybody in the company believes that way, but nevertheless, that's our position. You know, and the verse you were quoting there from Romans 4 is very interesting because as we covered today, it's really speaking about Abraham, but it says that God called those things which be not as though they were. When he did that, Abraham, it says, who against hope he believed. That's a very interesting phrase. Against hope he believed. And then it says that Abraham was not weak in faith. And it says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. It says he was strong in faith. He was fully persuaded that God was able also to perform. You know, those phrases also apply to our position as believers in believing that creation is how everything came about. Because when creation, God called those things which be not as though there were. He said, let there be light. Someone, oh, angel could have looked at each other and said, what's light? And then and there was light. Then he knew. It, it says that we are not weak in faith. We believe. We don't stagger at what God says. We're strong in faith and we're fully persuaded. Persuaded of what? That the Bible is true. Because we understand creation happened because of what it says in Hebrews 11.3. By faith or through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, the things that do appear, the things that we see right now, what do we see? We see life. We see life in its simpler form as bacteria. We see life in its complicated form as as man. And we understand, this verse tells us this, we understand that the things which are seen, life in its complex form as human life, did not come from things that are seen, did not come from bacteria, which is very simple. In other words, bacteria did not evolve or go from jump to jump into into uh, into human life now uh, my son, who's an immunologist over over at the university, and and uh, and and uh, and myself, uh, we we all understand. Scientists understand that natural selection is a scientific. Uh, truth that things do adapt according to what I call death pressures, pressures that would cause them to die unless they did adapt. That's part of what God has put in place. My son uses the term evolution, but and, and in that sense, evolution is true. But we have to say that that is a speciation evolution. That is an evolution within species. That is an adaptation, a natural selection. So we would refer to that evolution as an S evolution, in other words, species evolution. What we do not believe is in the evolution jumping from kind to kind, jumping from, from something like, uh, from something like uh, a bacteria going up to a human form. That's jumping from kind to kind. That's K evolution. We reject K evolution. We accept S evolution. So to use the term evolution is too broad a brush. We have to always say, do we referring to S evolution or K evolution? But we understand that the things that are seen today, what we see did not come about from what is here. In other words, humans were created, and we give God the credit. We look at the Bible. The Bible says that God created man. He created everything about 6,000 years ago within six literal days, and we'll say, okay, that's what the Bible says. We'll believe it. Now, scientists come about, and they say, well, you know, uh, uh, these rocks are millions and billions of years old, and, and uh, well, the point is they appear to be billions of years old. 
That doesn't necessarily mean that they are billions of years old. We all accept that when there's a star which is, uh, you know, 100 million light years away, we accept that from the time that the light starts, it takes 100 million years for us to see it. But couldn't God create the light in the path? That's the creation with the appearance of age. You know, I have some lights in our, in our garden, in our front yard. They're copper lights, and uh, they've been in there for, you know, uh, almost 10 years, and so they're patinaed. When they're brand new, it's a bright, shiny copper, but now it's it's not doesn't look that way. Well, I just recently bought another one, and I didn't want it to stand out, so what did I do? I took a baking soda solution, put it on there, and it looks like the others because it looks like it's old. But if you were to ask me how old that is, it's not 10 years old. It's just very recently purchased because I made it with the appearance of age, and that's who God is too. He can create everything with the appearance of age, rocks included. So we give God the credit, and we say, through faith, Hebrews 11.3, we understand that the the worlds were framed by the word of God. When God said, let there be, that's when it was. So that the things which are seen were not made or did not evolve from the things which do appear. The Bible is our basis for our understanding. We don't change the Bible according to what others say. Thank you for joining us today. Now, we have an opportunity for anyone listening in the Southern California area to become a full-time missionary working for Israel Restoration Ministries. You'll be a courier of the gospel to the Jewish people, working with them, building relationships, discipling them, and going to God's lost chosen nation of people. And if you're interested in this opportunity, contact us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Thirty fifty one. Now, we also have volunteer opportunities for you to work with Israel Restoration Ministries in any city in the United States. If you'd like to be a volunteer working with Israel Restoration Ministries, working to build relationships with Jewish people, going out to events that we have scheduled on college campuses, inside retirement homes, or other areas where we're trying to reach God's lost nation of Jewish people, contact us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org to learn more information. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Contact us today at 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.